0: What is up, everybody? It's Andrew Undum, real estate agent here in Baltimore with Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast. Go ahead and subscribe. I have got a list of guests coming that are going to really knock your socks off. If you're into real estate, sales, negotiation, marketing, leadership, wealth building, you're going to want to subscribe to this podcast. I can't wait to take you on the journey with me here with the Andrew Undum podcast. All right, Kevin Javlon, first off, thanks so much for doing this with me. I've been trying to get you on a podcast, have a conversation for like, I don't know, two years maybe, and we're doing it in your podcast studio, 5 North Main. First off, thanks so much, and tell everyone a little bit about yourself for the two people who don't know your story with
1: Spartan Surfaces. Well, thank you for being here. Um, we built this out a couple months ago. This is my first interview, so um, I'm super stoked to be here as well. Um, 49 years old, from Philadelphia, reside in Hartford County, Maryland, created Spartan Surfaces in 2007, um, just had an exit and sold to a large public company, Floor and & Decor, and besides from what we do at Spartan, married my college sweetheart, four kids ranging from 18 through 12, and um, a wannabe entrepreneur. So everything I do is somewhat um, with the entrepreneurial spirit behind me.
0: It's tough for you to say you're a wannabe entrepreneur. I don't know what that makes me, but I have a lot of questions because you're a guy that a lot of people like myself, young, up-and-coming entrepreneurs, we want to be like, we see you and we're like, oh my gosh, this guy did it. He grew his company in 2007 and obviously wasn't what it is today. So t- take me through the progression there. You start a company, you're just selling flooring. That's not that glamorous. You're slanging flooring and it ends up being, like I saw the Wall Street Journal article. It was a lot of money that just went down. You're the sole owner of that company. Right.
1: Take Just give me the kind of the bullet points. Hey, I started, how did it get so big so quick? Well, I'll even take you back to before I started the company. So I graduated college, by the way, we are both York College Spartans. That is the Ivy League of Central Pennsylvania, um, Amen. at least in our own minds it is. Um, so I, when I graduate York in 95, I was a 2.0 student, um, never took school serious, business major. We probably had some of the same professors. Yep. Shout out to the Meisenhelters. Oh, yeah. um, and um, I go back home to Philadelphia. My girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, she was getting her MBA at Hopkins, working full time here. Through an, an acquaintance, I had an opportunity to get a job in the flooring industry. And I really believed it was going to be short lived. It was just a way to get to Maryland.
0: Sure.
1: Well, that was in 1995, fall. I spent 12 years in the flooring industry, working for a Japanese company, large domestic um, rubber company, and I saw a void in the marketplace. I saw a void. Our clients our architects and design firms. They're designing and building large commercial buildings from healthcare institutions, to education, to multifamily, to corporate, to government, to hospitality. And we saw, I saw a void in the marketplace where it really wasn't about the product. It was about relationship building. And on the hard surface side of our business, it was lacking at the architect and design level. So I decided to leave corporate America at the age of 34. I just had my second child which was really, really stressful because I had, was making a great living and it was very stable. But I always had that entrepreneurial bug. I was the kid that had the biggest paper route in the neighborhood in Philadelphia. I was the kid that was slinging soft pretzels um, yeah. from the age of 12 to 15 on the corner. I was the one selling my baseball cards at flea markets and getting there at five in the morning so I could get the best spot, so I could make a couple extra bucks. So I always sorta of had that entrepreneurial bug So going out on my own wasn't necessarily a surprise to most people that knew me, Mm -hmm. but I'm so glad that I waited till I was 34, because I didn't have the life experiences to, I think, to lead an organization before that. So I do believe that if I would have started Spartan Surfaces in my late 20s, or even at 30, I believe it might have failed. I think I started it at the right time. Well, it's just
0: inspiring, because a guy like me, I'm 34. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I got some miles on me, man. I've been working hard. I'm doing all this stuff. And you, did, you were a baby at 34. You didn't even start your own company. And I know when you started it at 34, it was, I'm sure it was a rocky road. So you start Spartan Surfaces. And was that here in Bell? Are you in Harford County yet? How did we get so blessed to have you here?
1: Uh, that's funny. So, um, and I appreciate that. You got blessed because my wife's family was from this area. So we ended up residing in Hartford County to be close to my wife's family. She worked um, in Baltimore County. Like I said, she was getting her MBA at Hopkins. And we just thought this would be a great place to live. It exceeded all expectation. I've made lifelong friends here. It's been It's an incredible place to raise kids. Any chance I get to shout out Hartford County I will always big up this area. And yeah. um, we've been ecstatic. So when we started in 07, our first office was in Forest Hill in the industrial park. Um, it might have been the size of this table. I mean, it was tiny. Yeah, shout out to Tom Motley. That's his, one of his claims of fame. He leased that for you. He's leased every building we've ever had. Tom has been with me from the beginning. And yes, definitely shout out to Tommy Motts. Yeah, good man. All right, so you got a little office. And at this point, you're,
0: you're trying to serve this, what you perceive to be an underserved market in the relationship building with some of these kind of core elements. How do you go about doing that? Like, Are you just taking them to lunch where people weren't
1: doing this? Well, first and foremost, it was just the DC Philly market. So as we talk about our business, we expanded to two thirds of the country and we're gonna be national within the next 24 months. But for us, it was just the DC and Philly market. I had a lot of great relationships myself. Mm -hmm. And then sort of my strategy from the beginning was anyone that I hired was gonna be smarter than me as driven as me, and came from that, came with their own Rolodex. And for the young people that don't know what a Rolodex is, look it up. Got it.
0: So I know you're real big on culture, and we don't need to relive every little step, but you came to this point where... Spartan Services became probably one of the biggest privately owned companies in this area, and you were the number one, I think, commercial flooring distributor like in the country. Is that right?
1: No, I would say we are one of the largest disruptors, but there's companies much bigger than us. But I think we made a lot of noise for the size of our business. You did. And
0: if anyone follows you, which most people who may be watching this will start, or if they have been in the past, you're so big on culture. And I've learned a lot from you just watching from afar, and you've been so kind to bring me into your inner circle and have some different types of conversations with some influential people. But you're so passionate about that. Like, and I'm trying to bring that into our business, and it's tough. I'm dealing with a bunch of salespeople. And so were you. Yep. And culture is so important. Why is that? And do you think that's one of the main reasons that you had such a successful exit?
1: Well, I'll well, I'll address two things that you mentioned. First and foremost, we've made so many mistakes over the last 15 years. And But from the beginning, we never treated it as a loss. We think a loss isn't a loss, it's a lesson. Right. And also, you know, the old adage, fail and fail fast. Right. Sometimes we didn't do that, but we've, not, we've been a company that celebrated taking chances. By nature, I'm a gambler. Mm-hmm. So I'm a risk taker by nature. So failing wasn't that big of a deal. That's number one. Number two, you mentioned sales, that you have a bunch of salespeople. Our whole, where we really shifted Mm -hmm. was when I started my business, because I don't come from finance, because I don't come from supply chain, because I don't come from operations, I come from sales and marketing. Sales and marketing people in our company were treated as rock stars forever. And everybody else was a roadie, Back of house, <laughs> manager, get the drum set up, get the guitar strung. That's who everyone else was. Once I realized that I had a company of rock stars and sales was just one aspect of what we do, that's really when our whole culture shifted. It was really my fault. I put, we were, if you want to talk about a player's coach, mm-hmm. I was a player's coach, but only to the reps. Once right. I realized that every, you had to really, hit it from every aspect of a pie chart. I hit it from sales and marketing, but I was super weak on supply chain. I was super weak on customer service, super weak on logistics. Once all of those people got elevated to rock star status, that's when we believe culture trump strategy. Yeah, so in our business, I sell residential real estate, as you know. only The only thing anyone
0: gives a shit about is how much volume did you sell? How many units are you selling? We're the rock stars. We're the agents. Look at me. And that's my job is to get attention. And I do believe were probably the best option to help people move their product and maximize their equity and whatever. No one else is a rock star. And this is a good lesson for me right now because I have amazing people in my back office. You just met Brandon. We did a little interview for all about Five North Main. Guy's a rock star. Same thing with my admin staff. How do you go about making these people a rock star? Because that had to have been a conscious decision and there's like protocol almost.
1: But that's all coming from you. You're the leader. Well, I don't know if we've even done it yet. Um, First of all, we have to tap in. We have to have real conversations. We have to see what people want. I think when you have a company that has 115 employees, we're not big enough to not have individual interactions with every employee and not just to talk about what's going on in the flooring industry or how's the weather, but where do you want to be in your life? Like you're here today, you're working in the sample department. Do you see yourself in the sample department five years from now? Or do you think you want to go back to school and learn HR? And can we put you in a program to better you? So I think it's a lot about having real conversations. I think, the, I think one of the most, we have so many incredible success stories but one of my favorite ones is we samples are a big part of what we do right so we're we're, we cover a large geography we deal with a lot of different customers from developers to end users to designers to architects to contractors so we're constantly having to ship samples to everybody right and so the sample department's big the lady that runs our sample department she came from mcdonald's she was at mcdonald's mcdonald's is a great learning training ground but regardless she was at mcdonald's she now when we have our national sales meetings and we have 50 alphas in a room she gets a standing ovation every single time one of the only departments that gets a standing ovation every time she's presented to the group that story really resonates with me because she has so much pride in what she does and by the way shout out to emily verger Um, she deserves it. She's incredible and we're so blessed to have her. Everybody needs an Emily Verger. That's right. I need more Emily Verger. Well, stay away from her. Oh yeah, I would never
0: do that to you. Well, it's incredible because what you're talking about is being a real leader and part of that is illuminating a path for an individual. Hey, let's not pretend we know what they want. I don't know what you want but if they tell you and you show them a way to get what they want, well, they're going to stay with you forever and that's why when people talk about you and you probably, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but behind your back, it's always... This guy's the most genuine person. He cares, he's gregarious. And the way even that you've treated me, it's like you probably treat everyone like that. And I know you do, because you care and you come from such a place of um, abundance. It's like a growth mindset. Like we were talking before about competition and hey, here's what real estate's going on and you're now the CEO of this division of a $13 billion company. And you say, oh dude, there's no competition. That's a mindset and it's true. I don't think a lot of people get that. Why do you think that is?
1: Well, I'm, I'm just going to address one other thing you said because, to me, and this—I didn't. This isn't my quote. I steal all my stuff from somebody else. But a great leader doesn't get people to follow him. A great leader is creating other great leaders. That's first and foremost. So we have incredible leaders in this company, and they're getting people to follow them, um, and they're creating leaders in their department. So to me, that's really what's leadership. I can get people to follow me. I can create a story, and we can motivate, and we can tap in, but really the biggest joy for me is seeing someone that never, had, that never led a department taking over and becoming that great leader. That's incredible to me. Now your question, I forget what you asked. <laughs> Emily Berger, it's like <laughs> she takes over the department. Yeah, look at her, she took over our whole podcast.
0: Yeah, I just feel like a lot of people in these different companies, they don't ever experience that level of satisfaction or this crazy growth, because like you know, from 2007 to where you are now, this thing went off like a rocket ship. People are like, how the hell did that even happen? Like, it's because of the empowerment. My question to you was, why do you think more leaders aren't like that, in these privately held companies? Like I look at myself, like I have my own little private company and I can do whatever I want and it's beautiful, it's America, it's what this free market's about. And I try to get it and it's hard and you get this shit kicked out of you sometimes and you gotta look at that as the fertilizer, not the you know, lessons for growth. But where do you think your competitors missed? Like how did you spring up here in Bel Air buy the Aegis Building, build, build this campus and have a huge public exit? Because that's the dream for every real entrepreneur. I grew something so good a public company had to have it and they gave me a crazy
1: multiple. Well, I'll tell you the, the biggest thing was I was never looking to sell the business. You have to almost start at the end um, of where we're sitting right now. I never, ever had a vision of selling the business. I had a vision this was gonna be a generational business. Right. I was gonna work with at least one or two of my four children, you know, in a perfect world, all four of them, right. and we were gonna continue to scale and grow this business. Um, that was always my dream. Florin Decor, who's our parent company, and um, shout out to Brian Robbins, he's the one that put this whole deal together for us. He literally, they did research, they found us, when they contacted me originally, I didn't even know who Floor and Decor was. And then as I realized that their core values matched our core values, and there was gonna be potentially a substantial exit, and it was gonna be good not just for me, but for every employee at Spartan Services, it really made this a no-brainer. And if we just look at the last five months since they acquired us, every single thing they said they were going to do, they have did it times 10. So it's literally, for me, I wake up every day and I'm continuing as an entrepreneur to live my dream.
0: Well, let me ask you this now. I'm going to jump to the end because this is relatively new news. I don't know, at some point, was it this year? public. Google it in the Wall Street Journal. Spartan Surfaces, Hartford County, Maryland. You don't see Bel Air, Maryland come up often in the Wall Street Journal, Uh by the way. It might be the only time it ever has. You're sitting there, you have four kids. Your son just is a freshman at your college. Shout out to the Spartans again. What's that leave you? This was your
1: life's work. And now you're like, well, I don't own it anymore. You know what? I think it leaves you at the beginning mixed emotions. Um, This has been such a part of me, and it was a part of me before I even started it. This vision was in my head for a long time. Um, so I think you go through a period of mixed emotions. Did you sell out? Did you know your employees? You've you've preached Spartan versus everyone. You know you see those shirts out there. Right. You know Compton versus everyone, right. New York versus everyone. Shout out to the Philadelphia Eagles versus everyone. Yeah, Sugar <laughs> versus everyone. <laughs> right. But for me, we that was the model always at Spartan, still is Spartan versus everyone. And then all of a sudden you sell it, so you go through this moment of a little bit of guilt. Um, you know, you're able to set up generational financial situation and security for your family. So you're super relieved about that. But for me, I didn't know if having an exit would reduce my motivation. And the reality is, the best way I can describe it, and I hopefully this resonates with you, it would probably be like an NFL player signs their rookie deal. Their life's changed, but it hasn't changed dramatically then they sign their next deal. They get the Patrick Mahomes deal. Right. That They don't lose motivation. They're still motivated to win championships. They're still motivated to be an incredible teammate. They're still motivated by their legacy. Um... But it's just the financial stress has gone away. That's sort of how I feel right now. I haven't lost any motivation to take this to a level. I just now have some tools and some resources that I didn't have before where we really can disrupt this space.
0: Yeah, it's like they say happiness is in the pursuit. Like you're the type of guy, it doesn't matter, you could have put another zero on the end of that buyout, it wouldn't have changed much. Because so I imagine at this point in your career, I know you're 49 now. You've been crushing it for a long time. But it wasn't about the money. You were fine. You already had everything you well, wanted. Well,
1: let's let's not bullshit it, right? It right. was a little bit about the money, right? Yeah. <laughs> <That's Okay>. not, <laughs> it was a little bit about the money. So let's not let's not bullshit this. But for me, I didn't know. You don't know until you wake up. I always tell people um, this story. Of when the wire hit, right? That's a pretty funny story because I was on your way to Bethany. Because, well, I was sitting in my CFO's office. The wire was supposed to hit at, let's call it 12 noon. And if you know the scene from Hangover 2 where Paul Giamani is sitting up on the roof waiting for the wire to hit and he keeps hitting refresh, 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 that's what it felt like my CFO and I were doing in his office that day. And when it hits, it doesn't even seem real. I probably checked it every day for the next week. Did that really go in? Did that, you know was, Is that level of financial security really there? I wake up today, I never think about money, ever. I literally think about building, creating, leading. Um, that's what it's all about for me at this point. So, but you don't know that that's how you think about it until you go through this. I didn't know how, how I was going to be on the other side of this. I just feel like I'm playing for championships right now.
0: God, I just want to be on your team. Well, share this to get a little vulnerable with it. Because I've had I've asked you some pretty pointed questions about the money thing. I just have this thing. like I just ask people straight up. And if they don't like it, fine. Then we don't talk about it anymore. But you, you and I have always just been like kindred spirits. It's mm-hmm. just been like, dude, this is the time we met. It's just like, we're talking about everything. All the- and I've learned so much. But remember, you did say, like, I wrote a letter to my family. Oh, yeah. And I, got go- I just got goosebumps again. Because this is like some real life out of a movie shit. Tell them that story if you want to. No, no, I,
1: listen, i am gladly share it. So every, so, COVID, let, let's take it back the last two years. The last two years for all of us has been so crazy. Right. We're all dealing with COVID in whatever way we're dealing with it. At the same time as COVID's going on, and I'm really making sure my family's good and making sure my Spartan family is good, um, I have this floor and decor thing going on. So the last year and a half has really been a blur very distracted to what's going on outside of putting this deal together and making sure our family is safe. So I have the clothes, I have the exit, I'm back working every day on the business and not on selling the business. And all of a sudden I wake up maybe a month or two ago and I sort of wake up at three in the morning and I just feel this level of guilt because you don't have a chance when you're working as intensely as I was, you feel sometimes more like a robot than a human being. yeah. So now all of a sudden I'm turning into the person I was a little bit before I started Spartan Services. I'm getting ready, I'm, I'm, I'm meeting myself again. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I'm like, damn, I missed a lot. Right? I have four kids. My oldest was three years old when I started Spartan. My second child was just born. And then I have a 12 year old and a 10 year old. So they weren't even born yet. And I realized how much I missed. And I realized how much my wife, whom I mentioned was a Hopkins MBA, who was home raising our kids for the last 18 years, how much she sacrificed to keep it all together while I was able to do what I do. Right, um, And she really is the rock star in all this. I know sometimes people say that because they feel like they have to, but I never ever had to worry about my family and could always be 100% focused on business. To this day, that still reigns true because she's just way better at running our house than I am at running a business. But I woke up And I literally wrote four letters. I wrote a letter to my four kids and my wife. And a lot of it was just, hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I was so intense about this business. And even when I was there, whether it was a family vacation or a game, I really wasn't present. I really didn't even know what it meant to be present. Then I sent a letter to some friends that sort of just, I've sort of let that friendship not disappear, but I didn't give it as much as I received. Um, And I sent a couple of them. um, And I sent a couple of those out to multiple friends, because it was just really important to me to sort of start clean. And I've had a chance to reflect. And I would tell people all the time, now looking back, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if you can be incredible, and I'm not saying I was incredible, but I don't know if you can be super successful. I'm not smart enough, personally, to be super successful in business and not sacrifice something else. And unfortunately, a lot of what got sacrificed was family. Now, that being said, my oldest son, who's a freshman in college, after I sent this Jerry, we called my Jerry Maguire memo, because yeah. that's really what it was. Uh, he responded and said, what are you talking about? You were there at every important event. So his perception wasn't my perception, but I want to be as intense of a father and as a husband as I was as an entrepreneur and a CEO. So to me now, on this stage of the game, I'm equally as intense about the business as I am about my family.
0: I met your kids. I've, you invited me to your house that one day. We were smoking cigars in the deck your family adores you mm. so i'm sure that's some little bit of head trash going on mm-hmm. and probably some of it's real too mm-hmm. but some of them are so young they don't realize they look at you you're their hero right. whether they say it or not you know that well their mother should be their hero though yeah that resonates with me too because my god talk about running a household going to work is easy doing this is yeah. easy compared to that shit. oh, oh yeah. my god talking to kids all day and doing it right exactly my goodness well let me ask you this i don't want to monopolize your time but i have a couple more important questions If you're talking to someone who's just getting started in their career, they're graduating college, they're a business person, I don't know what I want to do. Do they go take a job? So you kind of have to take a job. You can't sit here and be like, well, I'm just going to start my own company with nothing. You got to start somewhere. What do you tell that person? And then this is going to progress, Kevin. Then it's like, hey, someone like me, I want you to give me some real advice on the air. Like, I got it going on, doing pretty well. Where do I go? What landmines do I need to avoid? Um, I think those two things
1: might help a lot of people. Well, the first one... Is if I'm talking to somebody, this might not be advice that their parents would like, by the way. If I'm talking to someone that's graduating school right now, I'm telling them, take whatever money they banked, whatever money they got from their graduation party, and go backpack in Europe for six months. Because life experiences is what it's all about. And most of us don't get the opportunity once we start working to ever do that again. So I would tell someone, don't be in any rush. Right, right. Right. And go enjoy yourself. And you just graduated. Or you just graduated. It was pretty intense or it was a party or it was a combination of both. Go experience life. And I think that for me, I was fortunate that in my 20s, I worked for a Japanese company and I got to spend a lot of time in Asia and I spent some time in Europe Um, And these are just trips. It wasn't like I was living there. But those life experiences, my perspective wasn't just Hartford County or Philadelphia or York, Pennsylvania. All of a sudden, I had this vast experience. So when I'm talking to people, and that's why I tell a lot of people that it's really difficult, in my opinion, to be a great leader if you've never had children before. Because you can't relate to someone when they say, hey, listen, I can't make that dinner tonight because my kid has course. If I would've heard that before, um, and it was an important dinner with clients, if I would've heard that before I had children, I'd be like, come on, man. right? Get to the dinner, you can miss a course. Have your wife tape it. Right. (laughs) Right. And now, as a parent, I'd be like, of course you can. That's important. So I just think perspective is really important. So someone graduating school, I would tell them one thing is, go experience life a little bit. When you do start working, be a sponge. And if you do have this entrepreneurial bug, realize that you, that you don't know what you don't know. So take that time that you're working for, whether it's corporate America or a small entrepreneurial business, take that time and just be like, you know what? I'm getting paid and I'm learning on someone else's dime to go do my own thing. And wait, there's a no rush. I, like I said earlier, I, be- I do believe if I would have started Spartan five or seven years earlier, I don't think you'd be interviewing me right now. Jeez,
0: it's so funny here so I'm interviewing you, like who am I? Now, for someone who's got a business, and it's like I might I always find myself, it's like this mental chatter in my head, like there's like diametrically opposed opinions. Do you blow this up and grow it? Should we go 10X? Man, that's a lot of work. That's gonna be hard. I'm gonna have to make some sacrifices. And what you said earlier, I might not be smart enough to figure this out and take care of it at home. I don't care who you are. When you go for it, you're gonna make sacrifices in anything, okay? Do you go there or do you maintain? Do you pivot? I get pitched an idea every day. Oh, you should start a mortgage company. You should go to title. And you can make money doing a lot of things. And I just know, and you know this about yourself too, you'd make money selling anything. You right. happen to be flooring and you happen to find a niche and you blew it up. You'd make money doing anything. So like, what's your two cents on that for someone who's like, you have options.
1: I think you really have to have an honest conversation with yourself because I, because I don't believe that any form of... Financial security or success is going to make anybody happier. So I think you at like for me, I'm a competitor, and I have a burning desire to compete. The only thing that I've been good at, you know, trust me, I wasn't a great point guard. I wasn't great at you know at any sport. If you play golf with me, you know I'm not great at that. But I'm pretty good in business, Um, and I'm I would never call myself great, but I'm pretty good. So that's what I love competing in. I have a burning desire in me to compete, the process of competing. The end result isn't nearly as, the wins never feel as good as the losses feel bad. Right. You never enjoy the wins. They last very shortly, but I love the process of competing. And that's what it's been about for me. So the, the way I would answer that question is, it's different for every individual. I think in a perfect world, if you can maintain a level of balance With your family and friends, health, quality of life, and can still go compete. I think that's you know come on, that's the American dream. But I don't know what level of sacrifice. That's a personal. That's a personal conversation that someone really needs to have with their spouse.
0: Oh, yeah, totally. So, in wrapping it up, you said something to me, and I brought this up to you before, and I can't find it on my stupid phone. But you text me something. And it was so inspiring to me. I just want to tell you this and just say thank you sincerely because you really have motivated me. You've been a, just an ear for me just to talk smack into because I don't get to talk about running a business with many people who actually get it. And not that we're even remotely close to anything you did, but still, like, I just get good perspective. I got a free, I'm i going to get an unpaid consulting from Kevin, and I'm sure you do it for other people. But you said something in a text that was so good to me. You just said, like, I think you're one of the special ones, and I think you're going to be great. And there's this whole thing. And I'm like, oh, my God. I showed my wife. I was just like... And it kind of changed my whole paradigm. No bullshit. I was like, okay, I am good enough to do this. Because sometimes you think, am I just faking this? Like, I'm trying so hard. I'm working. There's ego. I know I have all these things. But when you have someone like you reach out to someone, it really is powerful. And I think you should do more of that because it really
1: does impact people at a core level. And you gave me a lot of confidence. Well, listen, I appreciate that. I had a lot of people that took interest in my success throughout my entire career, whether it's been in the flooring industry or outside the flooring industry. But for me, that's just natural, right? I don't think about it, it's not calculated. I'm not gonna bullshit you. If I didn't think you were special, I knew that I'm one that brings everything back to my life. And like we said earlier, I started Spartan at 34. You started Shore Group at what age? 25 maybe 25 right so for me i think what i probably said in that message was like don't put so much pressure on yourself you're so far ahead of where i was at the same age and i'm gonna be honest at 34 when i started spartan i was a terrible leader i i was a good salesperson that's all i was i didn't know about running a business i didn't know about motivating i didn't know about leading people and i made so many mistakes the fact is My heart was in the right place. So a lot of those people that I would never speak to them the way I used to speak to them back then. One of my favorite stories of all of Spartan is anyone that knows Doug Hentz, um, he just won our member guest at our club this week. He's about to have a baby on Wednesday. Um, Congrats, Dougie, and good luck. But Dougie worked as a bag boy at Maryland Golf and Country Club. And I'm out in town in Bel Air. This is 2007. And I'm out, and my wife and I didn't get many nights to go out back then. And if we did, we usually went downtown um, to New York, to Philly, to Baltimore. We weren't really bar hopping in Bel Air. But this night we were up, we were bar hopping in Bel Air. And we were at the old rope walk, and all of a sudden somebody walked up to me, and he's like, Mr. Jablon. Now, I don't know anyone that calls me Mr. Jablon, but I had just joined Maryland Golf the year before. And to those guys that work there, I'm Mr. Jablon. So I look at him, and I recognize him, but I don't know where I know him from. And he goes, Dougie Fresh from the club. And I look at him, and I'm like, yeah. He's like, I don't know what you do, but I like the way you roll. He's like, I didn't graduate from college. I'm pretty damn smart. Um, I just need an opportunity. There's more for me than working here right now in the bag room. And if you ever do something, give me a call. Well, fast forward six months later, we need to hire a customer, services rep, customer service rep. He was the first one we ever hired. He's still with us today. Um, he's an incredible success story. And that's what motivates me. When I think about what my legacy is going to be, it isn't going to be whatever type of success I had. It's going to be the Emily Vergers, the Doug Henses, the Ben Garbacks, um, the Robert B. Coates, I could go on and on and name the people that work for me that I've seen them elevate and really grow their lives and their careers. That, to me, is going to be much more my legacy than any individual success or accolades that I get, because I would be remiss if I didn't say this. I get a lot of the credit, but I got an incredible team behind me, and um, I I don't deserve near the credit that I get. You're always so humble, and that's why your people will take
0: bullets for you. Like, I know they would. I've been around the block. I've been hanging out in Air for a couple of years now. People will take
1: bullets for you. Well, let's hopefully that day doesn't come. Yeah, no, I won't. Th- I might have some competitors that might want to <laughs> shoot me. So I'm hoping that that, that never happens. But all right, I got one final
0: question. But before I ask you, I just want to say, like, th- these stories are so impactful because one of my mentors told me one time, I'm asking him some questions. And he said, hey, you're perfectly fine where you are. You're good. You're making money. Your family's good. Everyone's happy. You're playing golf all the time. You're perfectly fine where you are. You're just too good to stay there. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, whoa, shit. And I think some people need to hear that. And thank God Dougie Hens just came up to you and and made the ask. And I've said this many times. Anytime I've asked anyone for help, you didn't know me. I'm coming to you like, dude, Kevin, I saw you on the cover of your college magazine. That's my initial conversation with you. Like, shit, he's probably doing something. Instantly, you just started always answering my calls, text me back. And that's incredible. You get passion from that. You love being... Like almost like the um, jet fuel on other people's career. And that's obvious. And you have been. How are you going to do that moving forward? What's next? I know you're in, you're part of your deal, not to get in the weeds. You're going to work for Floor & Decor for a few more years. Maybe they keep you on. Maybe they don't. I don't know.
1: I, I would tell you that I think I'm going to be at Floor & Decor indefinitely. Um, it's been an incredible transition. But nothing's changed for me. I mean, I wake up with the same motivation. I wake up looking to learn. I mean, that's the one thing that we didn't talk about. Um, I know enough to know. I don't know. So I was a 2.0 student, by the way, I'm going to shout out something that's coming. I have a book that I'm going to be writing. I just linked up with my ghostwriter, um, Aaron Katowski, out of Philadelphia. Um, somebody that I grew up with, he's going to write the book for me. And the title of the book is the 2.0 CEO. And that's who I am. I'm a 2.0 GPA, high school, college, and really the theme of the book is going to be why the 4.0s end up working for the 2.0s. And there's so many case studies of this. Oh, it's all over the place. Right? And I'm a 2.0. School never motivated me. I never got it. I was too immature and too young. Now I love school. I've gone to Booth School of Business in Chicago. I've gone to Columbia in New York. COVID killed my Harvard stint. Or I would have been at Harvard already. So now I'm having this thirst for knowledge. I have this thirst to grow. And I know enough to know I don't know. So your education, that makes my heart sink. I was kind of a a
0: 2.8 student. And it just shows you, hey, that doesn't really matter. Come on, man. Like, you know enough. And hey, by the way, thank God you have a ghostwriter because we know you couldn't write it yourself. Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. Well, Kevin, dude, this has been awesome. We could talk all day. I know you yeah. got like a 230, so I'm going to let you roll. But I just want to say, again, thanks so much for taking the time. And I'd be remiss to say, if you haven't seen this podcast studio, I don't know if like people can really grasp where we're sitting. We're 5 North Main. Side note, we got to talk about this. I almost partnered with you on this building back then. And then, you know, everything happened. Things were crazy. This 5 North Main building Again, it's just a blessing that you're here in Harvard County because no one would have done this. It's overbuilt. The coffee bars from Ceremony and the bagels are from Bagel Works, and it's all the best stuff. And then you come down here. And I was here earlier with my video guy. I'm like, hey, we might need another uh, memory card. Hopefully, we, maybe we'll use my phone as a camera. There's, we're surrounded by cameras. We're surrounded by like literally NBC Studios stuff. And it's right here in Bel Air. So not to pitch the building, it doesn't need it. But I don't think people know about this And if they have an idea, they need to come sit here, talk to us,
1: talk to you, talk to yourselves, and it can be done here at the podcast studio. I'll say this, though, and this this is not me diverting the attention away from this building or myself, but for people that don't know Bel Air Main Street, we have incredible places on Main Street. Uh, It used to be that if you wanted to go out and get a great dinner, you had to go downtown. We have Richard at 111 Main, who blew it up. We have an incredible Italian, sandwich shop across the street in savona Um, main street to me and i love main streets in any town but to me there's something so wholesome something so old school about having a great main street so for me i just wanted to do our part and if people love getting coffee upstairs at the coffee bar if people use the podcast studio which i think they should because i think this is the new form of communication it's funny now when you talk to people and they're on the treadmill and you ask them what they're listening to normally they're not listening to music anymore they're listening to a podcast so i think that hopefully people will come and use this and rent it and make some incredible content but i'm just one part of an incredible main street in bel-air and i'm really proud of that so hopefully there's some more businesses that we do some more investment that's made into the street, but I'm really proud to live in Hartford County. I'm proud to have our company headquartered in Bel Air. I'm proud that Florin Decor wants to stay here with me. So, I mean, like I said, if I'll, I'll end with this. I'm living a dream. Four incredible kids. I married a girl that I chased for four years in college before she would give me the time of day. Mm-hmm. Um, incredible Woman, my parents knock on wood are healthy. I have an incredible relationship with my brother. I have amazing friends. So literally, I'm living the dream. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't know how life could get much better than it is right now.
0: Well, I want to uh, end on this too. It's September 22nd, 23rd, 2021. We made a deal, we're gonna do a business together. I don't know what it is yet. Yeah. And maybe it's in five years, maybe it's in 10, maybe it's next month, the way your brain works. But remember this episode. This right. is closing out the inaugural podcast for the podcast studio on Main Street. Kevin Jablon, thanks again. At 2.0 CEO, ladies and gentlemen. Follow him on Instagram. I've never posted yet. This might be my first. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Appreciate it. Thanks,
1: you. buddy. See you. Yep.